0: Hi, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 48 of The Yacking Show. And this is where we talk about life, business, and more, and we try and bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we're living in, and it's certainly changing every day. As always, we have interesting guests to talk to you, uh, to our audience, and it's my job now to welcome the other half of our show hosting capability, uh, Far Better Than Me, and that's Kathleen down there in Waterloo. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today?
1: Hello, Peter, and thank you so much for that intro, Peter, and thank you all to, uh, for joining us. We so appreciate you tuning in, and we always appreciate your comments, so please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to Peter or myself. And as Peter said, we have another guest with us today. Her name is Nala Core of Core uh, Capabilities Consulting. Welcome, Nala.
2: Thank you very much for having me on.
1: Nala, you are a facilitator, a trainer, a public speaker, and a coach. Can you tell us more about core capabilities consulting and what um, inspired you to start your business 16 years ago?
2: Well, thank you, Kathleen. I'm uh, happy to chat about my business. I've I've had a management consulting practice for over 16, uh, 16 years now. And uh, I'm very proud to have been able to serve a variety of leaders and their teams. I particularly focus on the areas of emotional intelligence and change management. And, you know, they say that you often teach what you want to learn in yourself. And this is uh, having experienced myself three downsizings. And, you know, during a change, there's just so much stress going on and, and needing that support. And I've been able to provide that to others and and you know and having experienced it myself I feel that I can bring you know tools, models, and personal stories to leaders and their teams and in supporting them going through change and supporting them, boosting their emotional intelligence and being there for for their staff when it's most needed. So that's been my area of focus for the past 16 years. And I've covered an array of, of organizations and industries because what I do is is fairly universal. I mean, the needs are universal. You know, when we go through change, we're stressed, we have anxiety, we have a lot of fear, uh,
1: uncertainty, very much what we're going through now. <laughs> and, so, so you've touched on um, this notion of emotional intelligence, Nala. Can you explain to us exactly what that is? Uh, excellent question. Thank you.
2: Emotional intelligence really is about our emotional and our, and our social functioning. It's our ability to be able to tune in to what's going on for us, being able to understand what our feelings and thoughts are so that we can articulate them in a healthy way, so that we can not land on people in a negative way and uh, be able to, to channel and, and, and um, you know self-regulate ourselves. And in particularly important, from a place of leadership because leaders like it or not they're in positional power right and they have that authority and how they behave is often mirrored in organizations so mm-hmm. this is why i like to focus so much of my practice on leaders because they have so much influence they sometimes tell me they don't think they do but they do and so to support them in developing that self-awareness so that they can be as effective as possible and and, and land on people in the right way mm. So
0: knowledge <clears throat> you said you've worked with a a wide range of clients. Is is there a a characteristic of of a corporation or a business or an organization that you pick up when you first go in there that sort of indicates you, these are going to be good guys to work with or I don't actually want to work here? Is is there a key factor like that that you pick up quickly?
2: That's a very excellent question. Absolutely. I often tune into... Uh, what we call, I guess, culture, mm-hmm. and culture is often, again, determined by, you know, how the senior leaders um, uh, behave and how employees, how conservative they are in in responding. So when I work with employees to try and assess what are some of the challenges, um, what they're experiencing, often it's it's the, you know the things that they don't say. <laughs> more than what they do say so it's um it so it's very much uh sometimes you know this might sound really uh funny but when you walk into an organization how you treat it by reception Mm. and uh the mood that that person is in gives you a gives me a, a real strong intuition around how healthy or unhealthy that culture is and you know, I, I guess uh, having had so much experience working with so many leaders and so many different types of organizations, I will say that, you know, leaders do create culture and they are the ones that can create uh, toxicity or can create openness. Uh, so sometimes it's the way they they intake. Uh, when they're speaking to me, they might say, well, come and fix my people. And usually I'll look at them and say, well, why don't we start with a conversation, you and I, to, to hear you know, what your perceptions are about what's what's working, what's not working. And so if they can be more humble, more aware of how they are contributing to that or not. Um, so I've had to learn to tune into those those red flags and determine whether there is receptivity. Does right. that help answer your question? It,
0: it does indeed. And it confirms my own thoughts on that. I, I remember reading a management book I can't remember who wrote it. And he, I think it was a, he made the comment that culture trumps strategy every time. And that
2: Absolutely.
0: would you go along with that?
2: Oh my, yes. I'm trying to remember who said that, but I, I've heard that. You know that what said. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Culture trumps strategy. So essentially what they're saying there is that if you don't have the the hearts of people, you can have their minds, you can have, their technical expertise, you can get people to come in and perform and do their jobs because we all need a job. We all need to be employed. But the culture, how healthy it is, is the extra mile people are willing to go, that extra level of engagement, the degree of motivation, the willingness to open and be communicative and not fear reprisal. That's all culture. It's very intangible and yet very, very quantifiable from the perspective of, you know, turnover, productivity, morale, Uh, there's enough surveys that go on out there in organizations, but it's the courageous leaders that are willing to take the data from those surveys, the honesty of the employees and do something with it. And the things they can't do anything with say, so just say, you don't have the capacity for this. We have the capacity for this. So that openness, that transparency, that honesty and, and integrity are really so, so powerfully important, especially now.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. One of the, one of the worst ones I've come well, worse. One of the common ones I've come across in my long business life is we've always done it this way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Over so, to Kathleen.
1: So, so I think really, you've partially answered this question, but um, perhaps you can expand on it a little bit more. But how do your clients benefit from the services that you provide? So. The, you know, I'm a client and I'm having issues in my organization. So I'm coming to you for help. What would I expect to gain by bringing you on board?
2: Mm -hmm. You know, I want to preface that with saying that there are some exceptional internal consultants that do what I do. I was an internal consultant for many years before I decided, and it was, it was help decided for me after I was downsized 16 years ago to, to exit. So I, I do see the huge value in what internals do. But as an external, having hired externals in the past as well, is that I can come in with more candor. I can come in, hit hit the ground running. Sometimes consultants are hired to do things people don't have the capacity for internally, or they may be politically touchy. So I can honestly come in and not have political alignment. So I can be politically savvy without having to worry about being politically correct if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Because again, internally, you have to work with these people every day, you have to see them at the coffee station or the water cooler on a zoom call. And and so people internally may be a little more careful or fearful to to, uh, say the things I feel I can say. And so a lot of times I'll ask the leaders, like, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Or do you want me to tell you what you need to hear? (laughs) And so that will also gauge their level of receptivity, how much ego is involved, how truly interested they are in wanting my support for the right reasons, not for coming in to do sometimes um, work that is unpalatable or um, doing difficult work that perhaps other people may not want to do. so yeah, those are some of the value adds. I think just the candor, the openness. I tell it like it is. I'm very honest. I tell it with a smile. <laughs> and if they see that my intentions are good, uh, I think those are some of the, the value adds.
0: <clears throat> and also as an external consultant, you are harder to, if you're doing your job properly, you it's harder for the CEO or president to influence you than it is with an internal consultant, correct? <clears throat> because As you said, as an internal, you've got to work with the other guys. And if the boss is all powerful, it's going Mm -hmm. to influence what you do. Sure. Mm -hmm. At least you mentioned courage and candor. So looking at your website, your three values were creativity, courage, and caring. I don't often see those three linked together in a website and, and that struck me as impressive. Creativity obviously is, and I like the combination of courage and caring. So tell me a little bit more about that, tell all my listeners, not me, tell our listeners a little bit more about that.
2: Thank you for taking the time to to check that out on my website. I thought about those very deeply. They weren't just words that I put out there because they sounded good. I Really think I'm a very introspective person and and so much of constantly asking myself as a self-employed entrepreneur is what what value am I adding? What can I do that's different, that's going to, you know, change the world in one small way? And being courageous is sometimes being able to say what needs to be said despite the fear around maybe how it may be received despite the fact that I might be told there's the door (laughs) because they're not ready to hear that so if if I can be uh, courageously uh, saying the right thing let's say to a CEO expressing that perhaps he or she might be a big part of the challenge that people are experiencing in that organization there's always that risk right so courage doesn't courage cannot be demonstrated without an element of fear or risk. That's Absolutely. I think the definition of courage. And, and, but, but if I can, sh- if I can demonstrate trust because I'm showing that I'm caring, I'm not trying to bring people down. I'm not trying to be harsh, but rather I'm doing this for a positive intent, hopefully. Uh, and it's been successful by and large, but I've had some experiences where people just the readiness wasn't there. And yeah. so sometimes you do shoot the messenger and they're not, they're not interested in engaging and that's where we choose to,
1: to go our separate ways. Sure. Well, I'm curious, Nala, what is, so from a client's perspective, what have you, um, what has been reported back to you without going into any confidentiality uh, issues here? Um, what has been reported back to you as, as the kind of benefits that a, a business has experienced as a result of, of bringing you on board? Yeah,
2: thank you. That's a very insightful question. Some of the things, and again, it's they're not shattering things, but you can tell that people feel them very deeply and they're really, really important to them. So things like, you know, they, they tell us in surveys and they tell us, you know, that they care and that the values on the wall say one thing, but how those leaders show up are not consistent uh, with the values on the wall. So for example, things around collaboration, uh, and yet you get top-down decision-making, you get micromanagement, you get uh, leaders who are not inclusive. They tend to be more directive and collaborative. So there's this kind of a cynicism that seeps in those one-on-one conversations, those focus groups I'm able to have, having in, you know the insight from a variety of people in, a, in an organization, not just one function or the other. And so a lot of the times that does point back to the people in charge and you know more and more studies are showing that people's you can make or break a person's experience uh, as a leader so your immediate manager can make your experience horrible or can you can say this is the best company I've ever worked for because of that individual this is why I, I, I feel like a broken record here but I really put so much uh, onus on uh, management to create those changes that people are craving that are that they're desperate to change in their work environment so you know employees can do so much I'm not taking all any power away from them there's there's you know I've seen people be successful despite how toxic the environment is or how difficult their leaders are but that can wear you down And eventually, employee satisfaction can become so low. And some of that could be around succession. How come they're hiring that person instead of me giving, being given the opportunity to be promoted, to be mentored? Um, career growth is a huge one. So people will opt out when they see themselves sidelined.
1: Mm,
0: very good. Um, <clears throat> What did I, I wanted to ask you something and it slipped my mind. I'm just going to throw something in and get your, your reaction to it. I worked for a huge corporation in a, on a different continent uh, many years ago. I was sort of upper middle level manager and I saw how the top few guys were taking advantage. I'm not saying they were corrupt. There was no money involved, but they were using... Corporate services for their own interests, like landscaping gardens, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. And one of them said to me, "No, just uh, grab some surveyors. I wanted to build a house on a property, go and get it, we'll survey it. And I said, "I can't do that." He said, "Why not?" Mm. I said, no, "It's not right." And to mm. me, that was offensive that I should should even consider doing that. And yet, these guys mm. thought it was absolutely normal. And then they failed to understand why the employees at the lower level were totally fed up with the corporation. Do you see that attitude or was or that a historic thing that's largely gone now? Mm.
2: Um, that sounds pretty, yeah, that, that sounds pretty corrupt. Uh, certainly if the top is corrupt, totally there's, what what are the chances <laughs> for, uh, for yeah, employees I, 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 to be ethical, right? Um, but as you know, it's an, it's a really good question because sometimes maybe in not such a dramatic way, but
1: I've,
2: you know, worked with leaders who spoke in such a derisive derogatory manner about their employees that they are, and they would call them names. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, what seemed to me initially as a very lucrative contract because they were willing to retain me for an extended period of time to come and work with the employees, while the leader was completely disengaged from that whole process. And and it's about them, you know, go fix them, go work on them. Um, and, but there was such hostility directed towards those employees. And in those cases, I have said, look, our values don't seem to mesh here. This is not how I like to work. When I work, I work with the whole team. That includes you. It starts with you. And if you're not able to see how you are behaving and how that's directly influencing that dynamic. I call it a dance, right? So how you, how you step is how other people are going to respond Mm -hmm. in step with you or out of step. And, and so if that person is completely willing to disengage, I have had to walk away from some very lucrative opportunities. Really? Yeah. Sometimes kicking yeah. myself because as a small business, every deal counts. Absolutely. Know? Yeah.
0: So that's where the courage comes in and doing a different way. Well done. Great, great. Over to Kathleen. Uh,
1: Nala, how has the pandemic changed the way um, you deliver your services to your clients? I tell you,
2: it's been this pandemic has been hard. Uh, you know, I'm 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 usually the one trying to inspire people and help people persevere no matter what. And you know, living with uncertainty has been something I've had to live with for 16 years. You know, every time I'm done with a gig, I, I'd always tell people I'm unemployed again. <laughs> you know, just trying to
0: <laughs> We know <laughs> the <just> feeling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, it's just like living with that is just part of being, you know, entrepreneurial. Um but, you know, being in the in this pandemic, I, I didn't realize how much I really, really valued the human connection. I mean, as human beings, we are wired for deep, yep. meaningful connection. Like, I love looking at your faces right now, but don't I wish this could have been in the studio? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, face to face. And so being able to meet people at networking events, having those organic conversations, bumping into someone, you know, just at a, at a conference or at a function, just sort of that that uh, just the fluidity. And, and yet again, the optimist in me says, I wouldn't maybe have met you through, unless through this format and yep. people have said they're accessing people. They wouldn't have otherwise, cause they're just too busy. Uh, so I, I'm really trying hard to see the positive side of this. And I, I do see glimmers of, you know, hope. And I, I think as a human species, we are, we are resilient. We're nimble. Uh, you know, what's that, uh, Peter, you got me thinking of quotes now, uh, necessity is the mother of, mother invention. of
0: invention.
2: Yep. <laughs> right. And every, cri- with every crisis, there's a renewal, you know, Absolutely. Yep. and, and mm-hmm. so I probably wouldn't have dared to do certain things like, you know, my YouTube channel, which is kind of slowly, slowly coming to be, but again, like, you know, dipping your toe in, into, into things that I, I wouldn't have had the time, frankly, um, or, or the, the, um, um You know the necessity, but now it is so. I I really miss the people. I really miss that human contact.
0: As we, as we all do. We were talking about it this morning. In fact, that very thing. You got another one, Kathleen.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask you. You mentioned you just touched on your YouTube channel. Tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Well, this really came from a desire to help uh, young people, in particular. My daughter's in her fifth year in school in university right now. She's finishing up at Laurier, actually, in communications and. She says, mom, you know, there's so much angst, like a lot of young people, uh, the unemployment rates are are really high and people entering the workforce with relatively little experience. And she said, you know, I know you have a lot of expertise in career coaching. And she said, you know, why don't you try this? And I said, oh, what do I know about? Creating a YouTube channel, like I know nothing, (laughs) like the, quite the learning curve, but she says you have expertise and you have content. So I was motivated to, you know, put out like short videos on, you know, interview strategies and how to negotiate a salary so that you feel it's fair for you. Like all those, you know, networking tips and um, things that, you know, young people or anyone entering the workforce might see some value. And so, that's just, you know, very fledgling. It's, it's only a month old, but it's been a fun actually little side side venture.
0: What's it called, Nala? We'll put a, we'll put a caption under the video so people can go to it. What's your YouTube channel called?
2: It's actually just under my name now. Under like your there. name.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I'll find and, it. I'll put the caption there so people oh, can go and look it. at it. No, that's, that's, that's great. Well done. And I, and I think we've got to say that the pandemic or the lockdown whatever you want to call it has been instrumental in Kathleen and I starting this we we started it as a bit of fun in March we thought we interview one or two people and we've had people coming to us saying can we be on your show and uh, you're now number 49, the 49th episode. So
2: I'm impressed.
0: It's, it's <laughs> Wow. And our, our best one, one of our authors has had 670 odd views already on her, hers yeah. and we've had some 300. So it's growing and we're trying to get it going a little smarter. And it's a huge amount of fun and we meet all these interesting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathleen, you got another question for Nala.
1: Uh, yes, I will actually, I can just, uh, expand on that. Yeah. We've been interviewing people from all over the United States and Africa and, uh, Canada. Ireland,
0: Ireland yesterday.
1: Ireland? Oh yes. Yesterday was Ireland. So yes. Yeah. So it's been exciting for us. So let's, uh, look, let's look through the crystal ball for a moment. Now, what, what do you see happening in your business for the next couple of years? Do you see it changing significantly, uh, from what it is today? Um,
2: it's a good question. You know, part of me is, you know, the age I am right now, (laughs) I feel like I could be a little more, uh, choosy, uh, in, in who I work with to feel like I'm adding my best value people who can truly, uh, benefit because they want to change. They want to make a difference. And, so I want to keep doing what I do. I love what I do. I would do this for free, but don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, but the heart, you know, one of the hardest parts still, and I imagine you guys, this probably resonates with you. It's marketing, right? It's getting, getting your name out there, continuing to network in a, maybe in this, in a different kind of way. And so, you know, finding the right clients and finding the right venues to be able to continue to speak and coach. Uh, I'm seeing that as a, a bit of a challenge right now, but I'm, I'm hopeful that again, as things begin to open up and people are going to be willing to gather that uh, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing till nobody wants to do it with me anymore.
0: <laughs> Something um, I do a lot of reading. I'm a somewhat contrarian or maverick and I tend to not follow the herd very much. So I have a different view on this whole virus pandemic thing. but I'm, reading both sides of the argument and I was reading something this morning, a, a really well written out argument saying the world has moved on, is going to move beyond authoritarianism, which it looks like we're heading to and we need a society where it's all volunteers. So the leaders emerge rather than get appointed. And he paints, it's a he a really good picture. Um, but do you see the whole structure of society changing as a result of this um, pandemic or do you think we'll get back to somewhat close to what we had before with a few quirks? What's your view?
2: Wow, that's a deep question. I love deep questions. And I, I just, for the record too, I'm a bit contrarian, although I don't know if that this would be the right platform for it.
0: Oh, this um, is the right platform. We do. We have some We have some edgy interviews. Uh, we can get real edgy if you want. <laughs> no.
2: well, yeah, we have to get to know each other. I'm, I'm quite opinionated, but I also know that I have to be careful how I express those opinions. Of course. I don't want. Uh, I don't want to alienate, uh, you know, uh, close friends and family, and, and no,
0: that's and und- that's understood.
2: But um, you know, I do think human beings are going to continue to find ways to to connect, you know, in a in a, in a soulful kind of way, and I think society has. Um, in some ways emerged in in the, in the best way possible, but also in some of the worst ways.
0: Absolutely. And and,
2: and, and, and and so in some of the worst ways, just to kind of get that out of the way is, again, when I see people allowing fear to overtake uh, in rational sense, like yep. hy- nothing wrong with vigilance, but hypervigilance can make you crazy.
1: Yep.
2: <laughs> you know, hyper... Um, cautiousness can make you want to hide and not 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 come out and and so i've seen the intense anxiety manifest in ways that are not helpful people can be terribly mean they can be quite dismissive and rude and i think i was like maybe 1 foot closer to someone than i should have been and she <laughs> yelled at me and said, stand back. (laughs) Right. So we we, was like, okay. And I even had my mask on. So, you know, we see people behaving in ways sometimes that it's like, where's that coming from? And again, having so much expertise in the area of emotional intelligence, when we operate from fear, we are in fight, flight all the time. Absolutely. We're hiding and we're not at our most creative, but if we can find a way to realize, you know, this is just one more thing we're going to get through as a society what are the possibilities? And you see people continuing to try and gather in, in safe ways. And, and I really do think you need a crisis sometimes to be innovative, to be creative. We're demanding more of our leaders. You know, you do see people marching for really important things. And, and, uh, and sometimes these types of crises just bring that, like just heighten the, the importance of those things and not to take democracy for granted, for example.
0: Absolutely. Right? We're, well, we're getting a little short of time. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Honor. but I want to give you the opportunity to tell our audience how they can contact you because let's just go through it again. You, you advise on public speaking. You, are a, you help with companies and organizations and facilitation. You do training design and delivery, correct? And, of course, you do your coaching. So there's four different things that you do that can help people and businesses. So quickly tell them how to contact you.
2: Yeah, so my website is uh, core capabilities consulting and core is my like my last name KOR. So it's a play on words there a little bit. And, uh, and yeah, if people are interested in uh, having a change management expert with some uh, emotional intelligence training and coaching, I'm their person. And uh, they can check me out on my website and reach out to me through that avenue.
0: We will put that in the description and as a caption under the video, and as a reminder as well for young people who are worried about employment. If you want some advice on interview behaviour and a few tips, then go to Nola's website. Nola's website, uh, YouTube channel, which again will be in the description. we have another minute or two. Back to Kathleen. How, have you got anything more for Nola?
1: Well, we thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. You are an absolute delight to interview today. So thank you for joining us. And thank to all of you for joining us as well. Uh, We so appreciate you tuning into our show and always appreciate your comments. And once again, if any of you is interested in being interviewed on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to Peter or myself. Back to you, Peter.
0: That's, thanks for that, Kathleen. And again, from my side, Nala, thank you very much. I would like to have another off-air conversation with you. I think there's lots of interesting things we could discuss there. Um, We have one minute. A a lot of our audience may not be familiar with the term facilitation. Uh, Do you want to take 45 seconds and and talk about that?
2: Yeah. So as a facilitator, you're basically helping guide, uh, insight, guide conversation, allow different different uh, perspectives to to become uh, verbal apparent and and present so as a facilitator your role really is to tease out what's what's crucial and what's going on for people and to, to have it presented in a manner that it can be heard by by everyone else in the room so whether that's in a small group or a large group so that's the beauty of facilitation.
0: Excellent. I got to throw a personal anecdote in. When I was in the corporate world 30 years ago, you know, suits and tie every day, of course, we had a merger of two two huge corporations and it was difficult. Mm -hmm. So they brought a facilitator in and we were sitting in a big meeting room, about 40 of us from junior management to really senior management, all in our ties and suits. And this guy walks in in denims, cowboy boots, and a sort of fancy shirt. And the jaws just dropped all around the room. But that was enough. That was enough to break the ice. So there you go. (laughs) Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes.
2: Thanks. I appreciate you showcasing me and my and my work. And if there's anything I can do to support you, if you want to meet certain people, uh, I'm happy to tap into my network and introduce you to whoever you may be interested in. So I do think networking should be a mutual thing. So anything I can Absolutely. do to support you, I'm happy. To Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. And that's the end of our show. Until next time, that's it from the Yacking Show. Goodbye, everybody.